Hello, today we are talking about work-life balance. Now, this is a science podcast. You may be wondering why am I talking about work-life balance on a science podcast? And if you know me, I've talked a lot about some things that are outside of the scientific realm, like self-care is related to this topic. I do always bring the science into it. But the reason why I want to talk about work-life balance is because this is something that scientists struggle with a lot. My podcast is meant for a general audience, but there's also a lot of career advice. And if you're not a scientist, if you don't want to be a scientist, the advice in this podcast is really for everyone. I know this is something that people struggle with, especially here in the United States, where there's such a culture of just working all the time. And especially since technology has taken over our lives and we literally have email in our pockets now with our phones, whereas before we didn't bring our computers around with us. Anyway, we're talking about this because scientists suffer from an incredible imbalance between work and life. And the pressure slash expectation is to be working all the time. And that if you're not working, you're not serious about science. I've I've heard that directly and indirectly. If you have hobbies, then you're not taking your science seriously because you should be spending all of your time on science. And a lot of times we're just given so much to do that it's really hard to do it all in the 40-hour work week. So today on my social media, I post, is it possible to be successful as a scientist and work 40 hours a week? We're going to address that today. The answer is yes. And I'm going to talk to you about some of my strategies that I've used for work-life balance. I've also been um, reading a couple of books too, so I will give you some tips from those books and the book suggestions as well. But this is a passion. This, uh, this is a subject I am passionate about because we're we're people. Scientists are people, and that's one of the goals of this podcast too: is to show the people behind scientists. And as people, we have needs; we have to take care of ourselves. So today, I'm going to make the argument why we need work-life balance, how it actually helps us in work. So even if you don't care that much about your well-being, it helps you in work. And how we can achieve that, some tips to help you get that. So let's get started. I'm really excited to get into these tips. Hi, I'm Dr. Stephanie Shuttler, a wildlife biologist who's learned throughout her career studying animals that science alone cannot save species. We need you. In the Fancy Scientist podcast, you'll learn about fun animals, conservation tips, and science advice, all while breaking stereotypes about what a scientist looks like. Let's get started. Before we get into the actual tips that I have, I just wanted to say a few things about working all the time, and especially in the scientific community. As I mentioned in the intro, there's this misconception that you have to work all the time. In fact, when I was in graduate school, one of the professors would actually visit the labs at night to see how many graduate students or which graduate students were working at night. And that was taken as a sign that you were really dedicated and really serious about your graduate experience. Especially not appropriate for people in ecology like myself because 
we didn't have to be in labs. Actually, well, I did have lab work. I did do non-invasive genetic work. But Extortomy was a lab that worked on, on birds or down the hall, was amphibians. So they're doing field work. So they actually don't need to come to the lab unless they have to process samples, which most of them didn't have to do. So it's not even a good measure of, of working hard because, again, you could be working when nobody's looking. You'll hear people all the time talk about the hours they work. I have so frequently heard people say they work 60 to 80 hours a week, sometimes even more. To be honest, I don't believe them. And I just finished reading this book called Deep Work by Cal Newport. And they actually, he actually talks about this in his book that people are really bad at estimating the hours that they work. And the estimates were off, I think, by like, like 15 to 20 hours. So it's, it's much more likely that people are probably working like 50 hours if they say 60 to 80 hours. So if people tell you that they're working a lot, don't feel guilty because just know inside your head that they're probably lying. And they're not doing it intentionally. People are just really bad at, at guessing how guessing like time passes it's like they do studies with calories too people are really bad at like adding up all the calories in their head or guessing quantities so it's just something that that humans struggle with so again don't feel bad and this first thing that I'm going to get into is really all about changing your mindset because the first part to having work-life balance is to change the way that you think about it because I can give you all the tips in the world but if you think constantly that working more will make you more productive you're going to do that you're going to subconsciously want to do that or you're going to feel guilty when you're taking time off So it's really important that you work on the mindset thing first so that you actually know that this is in your best interest and not just, you know, about recharging and stuff like that. So I read Deep Work. There's also a book called Scrum. Scrum is about working in teams. It's more of a business book. It's not the best for scientists, although they actually it actually would work really well for, for paper writing and things like that, but I just don't see a lot of scientists being willing to adopt the method. Anyway, I digress. In Scrum, they talk about how productivity decreases with increasing hours. So once you get to a certain threshold, And Deep Work talks about this too, that with Scrum, they talk about it's just shy of 40 hours a week. So if you actually increase above 40 hours, the productivity stays the same. And if you actually increase it too much, it can get worse. And the reason why this is, is because the longer you work, the more mistakes you make, the more sloppy you get, and then you have to spend time fixing those mistakes. We um, actually did this challenge in our lab one time. We wanted to see if we could write a paper in 24 hours, and this was inspired by a different lab. 
So we simultaneously all worked on data analysis. We had all the data sets prepped and everything. And we worked on writing too at the same time. And we did this pulling an all-nighter, trying to do this in 24 hours. And it was fun and like an event and stuff, but our productivity definitely crashed. So we decided that it wasn't a good a good method in the long run. And if you were going to do something like that, maybe do 12 hours one week and 12 hours another week or at least a day apart because, yeah, your productivity crashes. So forcing yourself is is not a good idea. And and well, there's so much stuff I want to talk about. <laughs> Another thing I wanted to talk about is that a lot of times when we work more, we we fill up those hours, not necessarily with work, but with other stuff. So I don't remember the workplace that, that this was at, but it's this is they talk about this in deep work where they switched from one of the companies switched from a five hour five, I think it was base camp, five day work week to a four day work week. And they didn't increase the hours. It wasn't for 10-hour days. It was for eight-hour days. So just getting rid of a day completely. And they found it was either no difference or better. I can't remember. But the reason why, the productivity stayed stayed the same. It didn't, it didn't go down at all. And the reason why is because once people realized they had fewer hours to get their work done, they really focused. So they didn't participate in as much chit chat or as much dawdling. I don't know, perhaps as much coffee breaks. I know for me, it's it's really hard for me to sit and work eight hours straight. I know not everyone is like that, but for me especially, like I just, I can't do that. I work so much better when I work in short spurts and then I take breaks. So so yeah, so they found from that study that, that people did better and when they took time off, they came back like refreshed and just like more eager to get into the work and just, and just do it. So you don't need to work longer hours to be more productive. You can get that done in um, shorter amount of time, and we'll talk about how you um, can do that with with more with deep work. Your brain needs time to process things too. Deep work also talks about this that when you're doing things like even as simple as taking a shower for me I do a lot of dog walks exercise this is exercise this happens to me a lot where I would be exercising and yeah I'm listening to music and doing stuff but I'm not thinking for the most part I'm not like you know focusing on the thinking activity and I, I would get so many ideas for blog posts or just like I like ideas for product creation, just just things would come to me. Science science ideas when I was working at the museum. Cause your mind, it's working on these issues subconsciously in the background and taking the taking the attention off of it actually gives you time to resolve that. That's why so many scientists or so many artists they just have these ideas just like come to them because they are they're taking they're taking this time off they're not actively thinking about it but their brain is still working on it so deep work talks about that as well that your mind mind needs time to process stuff sleep is also so important for this I really learned this when I took this dance class and it's just so it's just so funny that I learned this through through dance. I did aerobics in my whole entire life, like like Jane Fonda aerobics. So I always thought I would be really good at dance. 
And then I signed up for this this class. It was called Dance Video Divas. It's a really funny name. And you learn the dances from different like pop music videos, hip hop videos. And I thought I was gonna be amazing at this, like I said, because I took aerobics and I thought I would just like be able to get it easily. And it was so hard. I have so much respect for Britney Spears, Beyonce. Oh my gosh, we learned the the formation dance from the Super Bowl. It looks so easy. It is so hard. But anyway, I would be in this dance class and I'd be really struggling and, you know, I just couldn't get the steps. And the teacher would say, okay, you know, like just give it a week to marinate and like the moves will like embed in your body. Like you get that muscle memory. And I didn't really like take it that seriously. And I didn't really practice at home either. I wasn't practicing like every day or anything, maybe maybe like once or twice. But then when I went back to my class the next week, I got it so much faster. And it was so true that like that time off to let it sink in, the muscle memory, to let your mind just think about it in the background, it helped so much. I've seen this happen too with my work my, my work now in science communication and science where I would be like pushing myself at like nine o'clock at night. I go to bed at like 10 or 11 and I would be like pushing myself to work more on a project or, or finish a job application or, or I don't know, something like that. And I would be like really struggling to come up with the words, with, with the writing. Actually, this happened to me recently with my newsletter. Like I, I started my newsletter during the afternoon and I wanted to finish it the day before and I just could not figure out what to write for my my main message of my newsletter. And I was just like, okay, screw it. I'm going to bed and I'm waking up and it's just going to come to me. And that's exactly what happened. I got the rest I needed. I sat at my computer and I just started writing. So when you force yourself to work, you're not forcing yourself to do good work. So that's a mindset that I use to take breaks you're also not a robot. So like this is more of a self-care thing, but your body does need time to recharge. You need time to recharge. So just from a quality perspective over quantity, you want to treat your body well. You want to do the self-care things. You want to take time to exercise. You want to eat healthy. Things like that will make you a better a better scientist, honestly. It's a weird way to think about it. But and these these self-care activities also make you happier. Like having friends going out on the weekend like when you get all that stuff out of your system like laughing and having fun and just doing these creative things or just having this time to just like lay around and do nothing like sometimes I just have these really lazy mornings on the weekends and that's so important for my productivity quite honestly because it just gives your your brain a chance to turn off The other thing with mindset that is really important and as I was finishing up my deep workbook, they mentioned this and it actually came from Tim Ferriss and I don't remember the exact language or anything, but I love Tim Ferriss. If you don't know Tim Ferriss, he is a podcaster. Well, that's kind of what he's famous for now, but he really is like obsessed with like hacking your mind and body. He's obsessed with successful people in all different realms of uh, of of anything like athletes, musicians, um, magicians, like he interviews all these like different people who are really successful at what they do. And he tries to, he tries to like de, de, I don't want to say debunk, but like, 
like figure out what what they use to to be able to be so productive. He also um, wrote The 4-Hour Work Week. That's another really great book to read. I'm going to write that down in the show notes. And it's uh, that goes over like a lot of automation and a lot of hiring out people to help you stuff. Like you can get virtual assistants from another country that can help you with some of the stuff that is 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 something that that any any other person can do and it would be better for you to focus on the more priority activities anyway so so Tim Ferriss talks about I can't remember the exact language but something like disappointing people and being okay with not being good at things or not producing your best work and this was a lesson if you've listened to this podcast I talk about this in about this is a lesson that I learned in graduate school you're given so many things to do in graduate school especially if you are a teaching assistant you have to teach a lab you just can't do everything great so you're just gonna have to learn to prioritize and that there's gonna be some activities that you just do okay or the bare minimum at and accept that I learned to do it, and th- that's one of the things I do right now. Even with this podcast, I could make a stellar podcast where I had, like, you know, different sounds. Like, if you think of, like, an NPR podcast, there's there's all those different background noises. I could rehearse this. <laughs> like, the editing could be a lot better. But I work on getting out the the best product that I can for the shortest amount of time possible. And I'm okay with that. And maybe when I grow or when I do grow, I'll hire people who will be able to produce a higher quality podcast and I'll be happy about that. But for now, this is where I am and I'm okay with that. So be okay not doing your best work for what's not important. So that leads me to my next thing, which is to prioritize and to really know what's important and what's not. In graduate school, I found it difficult to sort through this. And you, and also, like, I just get excited about different things. So I would be in, like, biology graduate student association meeting. And I would get excited about, like, doing different things. I don't know why I'm snapping a lot today, but I am. <laughs> I would get excited about doing different things, about volunteering for different things. But that's not going to help me in the long run get the job that I wanted. And it wasn't. It wasn't important for my training. Yes, it's important to do service work and stuff. But again, you can't do it all. So when, I, when I'm when i trying to prioritize, what I do is I make four different boxes. And I write high priority. So, so it's high priority, time sensitive, high priority, not time sensitive, low priority, time sensitive, low priority, not time sensitive. So low priority things that might be time sensitive might be things like, I don't know, you have to do a time a time sheet or emails or things like that. It's something that isn't really going to break make or break your career, but things that you have to do. So with those low priority things, do them when you are not at your best or do them as fast as possible. Don't, don't like, like if you think about your day, I always am best in the morning. So that's when I spend my time working on the things that are most difficult for me or that require the highest amount of attention and their highest priority. 
So structure your day like that. You don't want those little, and in deep work, they call these shallow shallow work. You don't want to spend your time, you don't want to spend a lot of time on shallow work and avoid those and reduce distractions as much as possible so that you can do those high priority items. I'm really backed up on email right now. And yes, does it bother me? But I I don't care. I'm working on what's really high priority for, for me right now. And I'm constantly assessing like what is the most high priority thing that I have to do today that I, I have to work on. So constantly assess your priorities and what you're working on. Don't let the emails that pop up like immediately feel like you have to respond. You don't. Get your high priority work done first. Before I get into the next thing, I forgot to talk about that, yes, it's totally possible for you to be productive in science and extremely successful working 40 hours a week. I've had several bosses that because they have kids, they are forced to work 40 hours a week. They take weekends. They spend whole weekends off with their kids. They might check emails here and there at night, but for the most part, they are working 40 hours a week. Oh, I also had this um, other professor at at, um, university who at our university who ended up um, not getting tenure because of something else, but he would actually get upset with his students if he would send an email at like 2 a.m. and they didn't reply right away. That is insane. That is ridiculous. That's not good for anyone. So there's professors that work 40 hours a week that are definitely very productive. Also, there's this this blog post about this woman undergoing tenure. I believe she's at Harvard. I'll put the link in the show notes. But it's all about how she pretended that her tenure time was just a seven-year postdoc. And I know she had kids too, and she um, forced herself to work 40 hours a week. And if you don't have kids like me, I still think it's important for you to work 40 hours a week or, or fewer hours than that because you need to take care of yourself. Just because you don't have kids doesn't mean you should be working all the time. Okay, now continuing on with the suggestions. So do deep work as opposed to shallow work. So I talked about how shallow work is is things that you can kind of do quickly in like five minutes or not that important. And what the whole book Deep Work is about is like getting into that like flow state. And I I have I do that too. So that like that is when I'm most productive. When I can take I usually it usually takes me a little while to get there and it has to be the right time of the day. But it's usually in the morning for me. But like I will like decide to work on something and I'll be in that flow state like for an hour or two. So He suggests working, like structuring your day so that you can have those larger chunks of time. And it doesn't have to be huge chunks of time. I think especially if you're in graduate school and you have to teach and stuff, you are worried about finding, or even if if you have kids too, you're worried about finding those large chunks of time. But I would say like an hour is good. Two, two hours is probably ideal, but an hour is good because for me, I can't sit hours on end and just constantly work. So when you do your work, do it with that mindset of doing deep work. Something that helps me as well is going into that deep work fast. And I remember when I would work sometimes, I would sit down in front of my computer and I would have so much resistance to doing the work. Like I knew I had to do it, but 
I just didn't want to do it. And so much of my mind was like overcoming, like, I don't want to do this. And like, like that resistance. So the book I have to recommend for you about dealing with resistance head on is The War of Art. This is a book that comes recommended all the time for my entrepreneurial podcasts. And even though it's about art, which is about like, you know, writing or creating or producing something, it's appropriate for scientists too, because we're writing our scientific publications, we're running our experiments. So the advice sticks and it applies. It's a really short read too. I listened to it in Audible and I think it was just like two and a half hours long. But it gives you a lot of advice for dealing with that resistance, like understanding that resistance and dealing with it head on. One thing that helps me that I'm about to teach my students is something called brain dumps. And I learned this from my coach. And it's really about like (laughs) vomiting figuratively everything that's going on in your head onto a sheet of paper. Then using this framework of how your thoughts lead to results because your thoughts influence your actions, your behaviors, which influences your results. And understanding the consequences of your thoughts and how they influence your results. And tying consequence, tying and understanding the consequences to that. So it's like, if if you think this and it's going to lead to that result – is that really and is that really going to get you where you want to go? If you keep doing that in one year, where will that take you? In five years, where will that take you? Okay, do you want that? No. And then, and then, understanding why you're thinking that, like, what is the positive gain that you're getting from that? Because we don't just do things randomly; we're conditioned to do them, or there's some reason that we some benefit that we get from holding on to that behavior. So like a good example of that is weight loss. Like once people get to a certain weight, they maybe can't lose weight or maybe they have a hard time losing weight initially. And there might be some subconscious reason or there is some subconscious reason why they can't do it. So sometimes they're afraid of losing friends or family, that their friends and family won't include them on outings or that they will be annoyed that you have this this new lifestyle and they, they won't be as friendly to you so these are what we call the second second gains second benefits so understanding what is that benefit that you're getting from that resistance and how to deal with it um, head-on so I've taken so much time to work on the beliefs that I have understanding why I believe them discrediting them and replacing them with the beliefs that I that I want to believe this has helped me so much Believing these new beliefs have made me so much more productive and it takes some work to slow yourself down and and yeah, like 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 undo these conditions, these these things you've been thinking for 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 decades and re literally rewire your neural networks to be able to think in a way that will make you more productive, happier and healthier. The last tip I'm going to give you is to guard your time. So by this, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the example with the, f- the four-day work week where they knew they only had four days. So they, they, they were more selective and careful about how they spent their time. They didn't talk to their colleagues as much. And I don't say you want to like completely cut that out. Of course, you want to socialize. You want to bond with your coworkers and things like that. But... You want to be careful and limit the amount of time that you spend doing stuff like that. So by guarding your time, 
I recommend getting the best self planner. I love it. I I talk about it all the time on this podcast, but it lets you schedule out every single hour. It also helps you take big projects and break them down into more manageable pieces. So I schedule out my entire day. I have a start time and an end time. And this is something I'm still struggling with. It's still hard for me, but I am closing the workday at a certain time. So, if, you know, like 5.36, I'm done with work and I'm not going to check emails. I'm going to be done for the day. So having an exact work schedule and following that, even if you're working from home, even if you don't have kids, is really important and really helpful. Schedule in everything in your planner. I schedule in my free time. Even if it's even if it's something unscheduled, I'll schedule in two hours of unscheduled free time where I can do whatever I want. But I also do schedule in time for friends. I schedule in time for exercise. I schedule in my eating time. I schedule in time for reading, things like that. So I take my best self, my self best self planner and I take every hour and I and I schedule it for the most part the weekends I'm a little bit more relaxed and then take off on your weekends and don't feel guilty about it use that first mindset piece that I talked about that your brain needs this free time to be able to process things in the background so enjoy your weekends or enjoy your time off. And if this schedule doesn't work for you too, that's okay. I actually prefer to work more days but fewer hours each day. So maybe you want to work a half day on Friday and then, you know, make up a couple of hours on Saturday and Sunday. I actually prefer that to like working longer days. So just make sure you take the time off though and you're giving yourself that time to to restore yourself another thing I like to do is I like to work in the morning and then I like to rest and then I like to work again so again I told you guys I don't love working like nine to five straight so taking those breaks understanding what works for you and scheduling that in in your planner and really and sticking to it So those are my tips for work-life balance. Make sure you're getting that balance. You're not overworking yourself because you're not helping anyone. You're going to make yourself a worse scientist. You're going to be cranky. You're going to be hangry. You're going to, you're going to be mean to people. And we don't want that. We want you to be a good scientist. Another good podcast to listen to is about self-care and conservation because this field that we're in, a lot of us are are scientists, but a lot of us work in the field of wildlife, and we're often motivated by conservation. And it's really hard. We give our heart and souls into this, and it's it's hard to see the loss of things as well. So make sure you're getting that self-care so you can be a better scientist and you can be a better conservationist. So with that, I hope you guys have a really um, productive week with lots of downtime, lots of time for yourself. I hope you have an amazing day. Be kind to animals and be kind to each other and be kind to yourself too. If you liked this episode, care about wildlife, care about conservation, 
or know somebody who is interested in going into wildlife biology careers, please share this episode. You can also rate and review my podcast that really helps people find it. My goal is to spread messages of conservation and kindness for wildlife and to help people navigate wildlife biology careers. Rating and reviewing my podcast really helps other people find it. If you have questions or show ideas, you can find me at fancyscientist.com. My social media handles are at fancyscientist. On Instagram, there's an underscore between fancy and scientist. You can also send an email to hello at fancyscientist.com. If you're an aspiring wildlife biologist, ecologist, or zoologist, you can join me every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Facebook Live, where I answer different career questions. You can also ask me questions on the spot. I'm here for you. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. I am so grateful for you. I hope you have an amazing day. Be kind to animals and be kind to each other.